Well, g'day guys. Welcome to Life in the Peloton. This is Talking Luft. We're back again. A few weeks ago, I was over in Cape Epic with my mate, Ian Boswell, and I thought, well, Boz, let's pull the recorder out. Let's go to Talking Luft going. It's a Talking Luft Cape Epic edition. The podcast this year is being brought to you guys by Rafa, our proud partner, Rafa. And on the weekend, I was away doing the Rafa Prestige, a cool event that they put on once a year. Wherever you are in the world, from your clubhouse, your local clubhouse, the one in Melbourne was up this year in the Twin Cities, Aubrey Wodonga. It's all about riding new roads with a team, staying together, that teamwork, getting through the event and enjoying a cold beer at the end. I don't know what it is about these prestiges. I've done two now and they seem to produce the most nasty weather. But luckily for me, I had the protein insulated Gore-Tex jacket. This thing was created for supreme protection when riding in the worst weather conditions. So I have to thank the prestige for putting on these crazy conditions, which allows me to get to use this epic jacket. It was once said in cycling, there is no such thing as bad weather, just the wrong clothing. And with the Pro Team insulated Gore-Tex jacket, there is no such thing as bad weather. Yes, it's true. I got away with it because of the jacket. I had a really good time and it was horrible weather up there. Like I said, this is the Talking Luft Cape Epic edition. And something I took over with me to South Africa for Cape Epic was my Athletic Greens AG1 travel packs. I got Boz on board and that was the way we started each day. It was tough racing over there, I can't tell you. And the immune systems were low and lots of people were actually getting pretty sick. And apart from having a good personal hygiene routine, we wanted to make sure our gut health and our overall nutrition balance was being taken care of to sort of help fight this. The AG1 has a unique combination of antioxidants, vitamins and minerals, dairy-free probiotics, superfood complexes and enzymes all in one. Like I said, we needed everything to be topped up for optimal health while we're over there riding Cape Epic. From our gut health with the probiotics to the recovery and performance support with the antioxidants and the all-round health with the vitamins and minerals, superfood and enzyme complexes. It was really handy having my AG1 travel packs with me while Ian and I were traveling around on the eight day mountain bike stage race in South Africa. The travel packs are already portion sized. Simply rip it open, pour it into the shaker, add some water, shake it up and in it goes. It was really simple. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, the Athletic Greens is giving you a one free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go across to Athletic Greens slash Life from the Peloton. That's Athletic Greens slash Life from the Peloton. Guys, sit back. This is Talking Luft. This is Boz. And this is the Cape Epic Edition. So enjoy. Well, Boz, here we are. We're in the camper and it's time to talk a bit of Luft. We're on Cape Epic a couple days to go. You ready? I think so. I'm actually looking at one of your hats in the background, peeked up on the table, and uh, this has been our home for the last couple of days, and realizing that this is our last camp of Cape Epic. Here for two nights, but our last uh, last campground. You getting sad? Uh, I'm going to miss the simplicity of it. Mm. I think there are things I will enjoy when I get home, like water that I know I can drink, <laughs> but I think I will, and a toilet that's like quickly accessible, I don't have to wait for. The fear of getting the, the Cape belly? 
Yes. Well, so far, knock on wood, haven't caught it, but um, there'll be things that I do miss. Just the simplicity of like, we can only eat what's in here. We've been very clever with our food mm. and shopping and yeah, we've been finishing early enough that we can just get back and kind of hang out in the afternoon and yeah, enjoy campground, enjoy people who pass by, enjoy some good chats and watching some bike racing as well. Get into our little nooks and have yeah. a little sleep. I am going to miss that bed. It does feel like <laughs> a little cocoon up there on top of the driver's seat. Low ceiling, but uh, it's dark. It's been nice and cool here. We haven't had too many hot days. Haven't had to run the AC. Yeah, I'm going to miss that little bed. I'll be honest. Did you think you drew the fir- the short straw when you got that in the beginning? I did the very first time I climbed up there. It's not the most easily accessible <laughs> bed. But I think now I think I've probably won the bed, the mm. bed draw. Although you have a, you do have a more accessible, like to go take a little rest, you can easily just go back to the end of the RV and take a little nap. And I have to kind of like pretend I'm a monkey and climb up. But to once the top. you're up, you're once up. I'm up there, I yeah. But I also don't want to get down. I'm accessible to the people too. I can yell out the window and have a chat to people walking by. So there's pros and cons of both. The way I want to do this, this is the Cape Epic Talking Loft. So I want to give you a Talking Loft 2.0 with a Cape Epic spin to it. So, the way I'm going to do it is 2.0 has four topics, style, bikes, culture, and about you, with some little questions underneath. And then I'm going to throw in a fifth topic, Cape Epic. Okay. Don't know where I'll slot that in. Maybe last? Yeah, give me time to warm up. Okay. Let's start with- Get my mind off the race on this event before before we get to it. We're drinking a nice bottle of red- a Cab Sav Merlot, probably not my choice of grape blend, but it's a winning bottle. We're in the leader's jersey, and I'll top myself up. And it's a screw top, which is convenient in the uh, in the camper, in case it has to move. Although we will probably finish it before the night is over, so yes. we won't need to screw it up. All right, let's get going. Stop mucking around. Caps, caskets, capolinos, little cycling caps. What do you call them in the US? I think just cycling caps. Okay. Yeah. How do you wear yours? What's your style? Forwards, backwards, brim up, tell me. You know, I actually, interestingly enough, my first, my most memorable cycling cap was a cap that I got from Lance Armstrong. He did the Cascade Cycling Classic in 98 <clears throat> on his comeback. He was on post. Wow. And he knew my dad from triathlon. My dad used to do triathlon. So I met him after the crit and he gave me his US postal hat and I put it in a Ziploc bag in my closet and I wore it off his head off his head after the crit I think it was like you know after the crit he'd probably put one on he didn't race with it yeah but still um, like podium one he walked back and he just yeah, gave it to you yeah awesome. so I got that I was probably like seven or eight and then when I was 14 I went to the junior national time trial championships and I won the time trial with the cap on my head backwards flipped down because I didn't have a TT helmet you could I, ride no helmet no no sorry I had a helmet on oh. but the the yeah. cap was on backwards. I didn't have a TT helmet. I just had a normal helmet. But at the time, I thought it might have been more arrow to have the cap backwards flipped down. But in later years, I'd usually run the cap as a young kid, back flipped up. As I got older, I usually only ran caps in races when it was wet. Mm. What and about to the podium when you didn't have a helmet on? Yeah, I'd wear them sometime once in a while. I usually always wore a helmet to the podium, though, oddly enough. That's bizarre. How would you wow. wear a hat if you didn't have a helmet on? On my head, I wouldn't pull it all the way down. We just saw two mountain bikers pulled all the way down. Ears in. Ears tucked in. That's a new style I've never seen. Yeah, that's that's a bit much. That's almost Um, opposite of Luft. Yeah, I don't have as much Luft as as you wear your cap, though. But peak peak down. Peak down, right. If you could have raced back in the day without a helmet, back in those times, what would your style have been? Would it have been leather helmet, headband? Would you have just had the 
hair flowing in the wind. Tell me, Boz. I always was a fan of Fignon with his long flowing hair and the, and the white headband. You know, I also mm. grew up playing basketball, so those headbands are a bit thicker, but I would have loved to have raced with like a white, thin headband. Mm. I think it's a good look. I never, I, I don't have glasses. I've never worn glasses, but who knows? Maybe I'd get some like fake bifocals just to pretend like, you know. Would you have done the pony? I've always wanted to grow a ponytail, but my hair always gets to that medium length where it's like kind of in your eyes and you can't do anything with it. And then I get a haircut. That's a mullet. You should do a mullet. Well, I've I've kind of got one going here. I tried to do my little cape epic haircut. I shaved the sides and kept everything else. (laughs) So maybe it's, maybe it's on the way. Do you still shave your legs? I do not. Um, I have not shaved my legs since I retired. I will once in a while buzz my legs. So I'll just use a buzzer. I mean, I have fairly like fine colored hair. It's very thick, and one of the things that I struggle with being so pasty is sunscreen, mm. and applying sunscreen through thick hair is kind of a kind of a pain. So before some big events, I did it before Cape Epic. Um, I'll do it maybe a couple times throughout the the gravel season. I'll just give them a quick buzz. My wife hates it because it's prickly in bed. I thought um, you meant about the hair that you leave in the bathroom. No, I usually do it out in our driveway. Just let it <laughs> let it blow away, which is it's way it's way easier. You only need to do it, like I said, maybe once every month and a half versus shaving your legs just took so much time do you like to wear x pro kit or do you like to wear the sort of the new wave stuff you know the slimming black stuff or you like to sort of pull out the x pro kit sometimes you know i don't really wear i guess i still like have sponsors and i still have like my my race kit i do wear some old like base layers though Mm. i have some base layers from rafa Mm. uh, i think from 20 it might even be like 2013 that I still wear. It's like this merino mesh blend. And so it's thin like a mesh base layer, but it has like merino in it. And they're the best base layers I ever have. So I still do use those once in a while. Some of the old Sky Kit at some point, I have it saved. I'll probably use that again. The Katusha Kit wasn't, I don't think it was super stylish. So I don't think it's really a kit that's going to go down in history. as like, oh, But you've still got some. I do. I do still have some. But I'll probably pull out that Sky Kit at some point down yeah. the road. Oh, yeah, definitely. I heard you guys got, back in the day when... Rafa sponsored Sky in the very beginning. They went all out. I'm not saying they didn't go all out with EF, but I think they went all out with you guys. And it was like custom everything and went over the top. And uh, it was quite a lot, wasn't it? Oh, we had the first year we had so much stuff. I mean, everything was custom. Arm warmers were custom. You know, undershirts had like little name tags on them. I somehow have like one of Ben Swift's under, you know how rain bags work. Like stuff goes Mm. in, stuff comes out. And next thing you know, you're end up with someone else's undershirt. But they also gave us, remember when Rafa used to make those leather gloves mm. and like they thought those were going to be the gloves we wanted to race in and they're cool. I still have them, but like you would have never done a road race and they're too thick, too hot, but they do look cool. I'm sure at some point down the road, I'll pull those out for a, a cruise on, on my steel road bike. Matty Breschel actually did Roubaix in those gloves. Would you believe it? I mean, maybe you need to break them in. Mine just felt so tight, you know, like they just, maybe once they get wet or something, they might kind of break in a bit, but I think they're kangaroo leather actually. Right. Yeah. If... You could have won the world championships. What sort of kit setup would you have done? Would you have gone the full Chippo setup, white nicks, bands? You know, he wore a headband with the bands on it. He had the arm warmers with the bands on it, bike, white, full setup. Or would you have gone a bit more traditional, black nicks, just kept it, you know, a bit more Valverde style? You know, I'm not the most stylish person, but I think if I was world champion, I would go with white nicks. Gone think, all out. I think I would, yeah. Mm. I think I think it just looks I think some people, even currently Evan and Paul has it, and I just think with black shorts it just doesn't pop. 
Mm. You know, it's just like a little bit subdued. And I guess that's why I always like FDJ's national champion kits. They just, they're so loud. You know, they just speak, there's very little sponsorship on them. No it's, sponsorship. Yeah, it's just, just yeah. a giant flag. It's crazy. So I think I'd go full white, full white kit if I was ever world champ. Yeah, nice. I like it. I like it. All right, let's talk about bikes. RMG, road bike, mountain bike, or gravel bike? One bike forever. What would it be? Ooh, um, probably gravel bike. I feel like the modern gravel bike is pretty capable of riding a lot of mountain bike trails. And you could also jump in a group ride, throw some different tires on. I feel like it's one bike that can kind of do it all. So I think uh, I think I'd go gravel bike. Even after this, after riding the mountain bike all week. Yeah, but I, I just feel like there's so many rides, especially where I live, that you know I couldn't really ride it. I guess you could ride a mountain bike in the wintertime. But mm-hmm. I feel like I You definitely could ride still, in the wintertime. You can get some it's more tires. of a wintertime. I mean, I feel like a gravel bike, though, I could... You know, I still like to go on group rides and stuff like mm. that. If you're on a mountain bike, people are on road bikes or gravel bikes. You're kind of you're kind of hosed, regardless how strong you are. You could probably keep up. Could lock out the suspension. Mm. Do a couple sprints. Get in the aero tuck. I showed you this week. Yeah, drop the drop. The, maybe I should a gravel bike with a dropper post. There you go. There <laughs> we go. When you go riding now, are you a social bunch guy or hour of power? Oh, well, that's hard. I guess because where I live, it's hour of power. But I do try to be as social as possible. I guess like when I was living in, in Nice on the road, yeah, I almost I never rode alone. You know, I always met up with someone to ride. But now, just where I live, you know, I'll, I'll try to meet up with people when I can. But I just tend to ride more by myself. Get it just, done. Well, efficiency. You know, I can also like you know my schedule's a little bit chaotic as well with you know work at Wahoo, having a kid. You know, sometimes the weather. You know, I don't live in you know the best climate, so sometimes it's like cool it from two to four o'clock it's going to be nice i'm going to get out then and some of my mm. you know all my friends work so they can't always be as flexible as i am do you have a strava account i do have a strava account do you hunt comms i do um where i live is also not highly competitive i mean there's there's a lot of cyclists <laughs> but there and i have not mountain biked there yet and i'm sure there's a lot of comms that i could go for on the mountain bike do you own the area do you i do own the area <laughs> so right. i guess i guess a lot of my training is me going after my own koms <laughs> yeah do you get sort of like, oh, right, oh, mate, he's just taking my, you know, Strava? Very seldom do I get an email. Really? No, I mean, not not much at all, no. Would you go to the extent of uploading an old file? Or you, have you always had Strava? I think I've always had it. Oh, yeah. right. Because, so see, what happened to me is I got Strava after I retired. So then I started thinking, oh, I actually went pretty fast up that climb, I reckon, about five years ago. So I went back and uploaded an old file from five years ago. I still didn't get it. But. There are some masters around me. Actually, Strava was founded not too far from Dartmouth College, just down the road from me. Mm. And during the pandemic, um, I actually went and took the KOM on one of the first ever, might have been the first ever Strava segment. Wow. King Hill. Out, I think it's in Enfield, New Hampshire. Do you have it still? I got it. Well, I get this. So I had never done the climb and I was like pretty, pretty fit. My buddy's like, dude, they just repaved the road. And so all these local masters were like, we got to get it. And I went and took it. And the next day they went and chip sealed the road. So like, I think it's, I mean, until they pave it again, I think it's in safe hands or unless a fast rider comes and tries to get it. So it was paved for one day. Well, it was paved. They repaved it, you know, like brand new smooth tarmac. Yeah. And then the next day they chip sealed it. What's that mean? So they throw tar down. And then gravel on top, so it's like really rough, like oh. chunky gravel. But where we live, like the roads get so beat up with like studded tires in winter that it helps protect the road longer. So like for like literally, it was like maybe a week. It was like perfect tarmac. And then but how they, much speed do you reckon that gave you? Five seconds. Tar, like fresh, fresh chip seals, like really slow. 
It's mm. like it's like gravel that's just held into the road mm. with you know tar. I don't know. I haven't gone back since, but maybe I should try to go back this this summer once I uh, I've got a lighter road bike now too, so I could try to <laughs> try to see test myself after this after this Cape Epic. Yeah. Do you have a favorite training loop? I know you're going to have one. Your favorite training loop. Explain where it is. It could be somewhere from over in Nice. It could be Vermont somewhere. Take us on what that loop is. Show us around. Tell us the loop. My favorite loop would probably still have to be in Nice. Mm. You know, I lived I lived just off Coldez, just at the base of, of you know the famous climb. Probably be going up to La Turbie, cross the back, down Col de Pay, which Perry Nice comes up. You've probably done that climb. Right. Up over Col de Braus, down to Sospel, down Castiglione into right. Italy. Stop for a oh. cappuccino. In what town? Uh, usually we stopped in Ventimiglia. Okay. There's a little place I forget the name of the place actually now, but it's just just on the beach. Great cap. Or if it's in the summertime, get a shakarado. You know the coffee that's shaken up with ice oh, yeah, and a little yeah, bit of sugar, Chicago, yeah. and then come back on down the coast up the Madone and home. And, it doesn't, wow. and that was the thing I loved about Nice is it doesn't sound like that long, but you do you know four or five good climbs, and you're never really that far from home. How and long was that loop? Probably four and a half, five hours. What are we yeah. talking? Kilometers, altitude? Uh, it's probably goodness. I mean, the Col de Madone's like 900 meters, so and Col de Braus is probably the same. So probably around. 3,000 meters right. climbing. Yeah. I mean, that was a wonderful thing about living in Nice is that you could ride with people. Everyone just does their intervals on the climbs. We all regroup mm. and then you just get a ride. Yeah, awesome. And it was a perfect mix of like being in the back country, but then you drop down to the coast and you're in like, you get that thrill of being in, in traffic as well. And also a nice cruisy way back. You're like, okay, cruise on the coast for a bit and then we hit a climb home. Yep. Yeah. Then once you get to the top of the Madone, it's pretty much downhill all the way back to my house. That's perfect. Ride yep. done. Yep. Yeah, yeah, awesome. A rider comes towards you. What's your gesture? Are you a wave person, little finger off the bar, maybe just a snub, you know, I'm just doing my thing. What What are you doing if we see you out on the road? I always wave. I'm trying to think what I actually, probably like a, maybe a two-finger salute. Yeah, right. Um, little, I've noticed you do the howdy quite often. I do say howdy. Yeah. Which I guess here in Cape Epic, I think people don't always know what I'm saying. Mm. One of the things I've enjoyed here in Cape Epic, too, is seeing all the people's, on the race number, there's a flag as well. Mm. So trying to say hi in their local language, whether it's French, Spanish, there's a lot of South Americans. Haven't passed many Italians. Um, I think Nibli's too far up the road for us to catch. <laughs> but yeah, I try to always wave to people. I mean, there's a couple times when, like, or in the wintertime, I arrive with these bar mitts on. You know, so it's like this insulated thing you put around your bar and you put your hand inside oh. to keep your hands warm. So once in a while, if I don't see many cyclists, but like I usually wave to cars near us as well. Really? Not many. Yeah. They're not on the brakes though. No, they go over the brakes. It's like a full booty. It kind of looks like a big neoprene booty, but it goes around the whole end of the bar. And I have some for my road bike as well. It's just like a big pouch. Does it keep your hand warm? Oh, I ride in, I guess in Celsius, it'd be like, I can ride in like minus five degrees with no gloves. What? Because that's the thing that gets cold in the when it's, you know, minus you two, three. To, is it? Is, does it like restrict you in any way? If you were to crash, you wouldn't be able to get your hands out. I mean, you can pull your hands out, but yeah. no. I mean, you, you can shift in there, you can break. Yeah, you don't you don't feel it at all. You don't have to give me the brand of that. I think I need that it's for the winter. Bar mitts. Bar mitts. Yeah, you can buy them on online for like twenty bucks. Oh. It's just a big neop- big neoprene booty. That's great. Yeah, because yeah. like, yeah, my hands get too cold now. I think my circulation is getting really bad. Probably have Raynards. <laughs> What's that? It's like where your fingertips start to get white. Right. You get really. Yeah, I think just from all the times you and I probably spent riding in way too cold of weather, underdressed in a race, and you slowly start to like lose nerve endings in your fingers. Oh, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> best bike of all time. That one bike that you think about, doesn't have to be the best 
bike in terms of technology or whatever, but the one bike you're going, I don't know. There's something about that bike. I just love it. Well, we talked about the Calnago C40, mm. but I- Did you have one of those? I did not, but I maybe had one of my, maybe close to my dream bike. I, when I, in 2010, I was on a team Bissell Pro Cycling, my mm. first pro team in the US, and we were on Pinarello. Mm. And this is when Pinarello's bikes were still like classy. Mm. And I had a Pinarello Prince and I had- campy record mm. i mean i think when you look at these italian heritage italian brands you know colnago pinarello i think they have to be on campy. campagnolo and yeah. like i guess you know the new campy i haven't ridden but like the old 10 mm. speed campy like i just love those i love those, those levers yeah yeah so that might be close to my dream i mean some of the yeah some of the old colnagos are cool What'd I, you ride, what wheels are on boras uh we we're actually on easton all oh, right actually i tried to get my dream bike when I retired, but the wait was too long. There's a company in Portland, Oregon called Vanilla Cycles, and I was trying to get a Ferrari red paint job, and they're all steel bikes, but they do like chrome lugs, hmm. and just like an old steel frame. I was going to do like 32-spoke box section rims with like old campy 10-speed, and that was my dream when I retired. I was like, cool, I'll use that. You know, we got this you know, retirement plan from the UCI. That money was delayed. It was like a six-year wait. I'm like, I don't even know if I want this bike in six years, so I... I sacked it off and never got it but that would be my that probably would be my dream bike oh, you can revisit it maybe get it organized now with all this we start selling wine from cape epic and maybe i can buy one i saw culture a little bit favorite race could have been a race you did could be a race Ooh. you just like watching favorite race of all time i think my favorite race is probably Pyrenees. what yes what are you talking about i did it three or four times it's a horrible race, but I think <laughs> I always admire who wins Perry Nice because it's a bike racers race. You know, it's okay. like someone who wins that. It's I mean, you have like the Dolph. I really love racing in the Dolphin. You know, the tour is the tour, but like Perry Nice just like captivates a complete cyclist. Mm. You know, you have the crosswinds, you have these like crap weather, you have these big climbs, but I just time trial pretty hard. Exactly, trial. I just think like Perry Nice for me is one of my favorite races to watch. It wasn't my favorite race to ride, but it always felt like. Mm. In honor, if I made the Perry Nice team, it's up there. It's yeah. a really good comparison to anything. It's like, wow, how hard was this? Yeah, not quite as hard as Perry Nice. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say Liege best on Liege as well. But I feel like that race has kind of lost some of its prestige over the last couple of years. Favorite rider of all time? Oh, favorite rider of all time. That is a hard one. You Could know, be actually, old. we were just watching E3, and I think. Maybe one of my favorite writers might be Pogachar. Of all time. I, th I think so. I mean, he, he's already one of the greats as far as his Palmares. But just the swagger in which he wins, and he just seems like he's having fun. And I think it's been a long time that since we've seen a rider, and really no riders in the modern era, that look like they're having so much fun and just kind of joking mm. around while racing. And that's like really cool to see, like especially in this era where everyone's so serious. Because you know, I saw him out training all the time in, in Nice and Monaco, and he rides hard. But he's kind of just goofing around, you know. But he's still just—he just, he just <laughs> dominates races. Favorite rider right now? Well, I just answered that, so maybe I need to pick an old rider. Uh, what about Matteo? Oh yes, uh, we were just texting Matteo Jorgensen. Um, he's definitely an up-and-comer, another American fellow ginger, freckly kid, actually redder than me. Yeah, I mean it's really cool to see some of these young Americans coming up through the ranks. When I look back, I gotta think of a, a better rider than Pogachar for my favorite cyclist of all time actually you know who it would be it would be Jan Ulrich wow well done yeah, mate. well it's, done it's, it's, it's actually just recently read uh, Daniel Freib's book about him which is fascinating um, just wow. to like learn a little bit more about him even though being an American you always you know everyone's always rooting for Lance but there was something I just always wanted like Ulrich to win mm. to win a race and actually that old T-Mobile kit with the Adidas kit 
Mm. Pink jersey, black shorts. That was a really nice kit. Yeah, it was awesome. And they're on Pinarello bikes as well. Rudy Projects. Yeah. It was all happening. Probably almost just said it. Favorite kit of all time. It might be that T-Mobile kit. Was it T-Mobile or was it Telecom? Like when he won the tour first time no, and he after, had the baggy jersey after, on. After that. Okay, when it was like Cloden, yeah. yep, Vino. Cloden, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that might be my favorite kit. Yeah. I just think, it, I think I, even though I said I'd wear white shorts if I was world champ, the I black do Knicks. like black shorts. Yeah. I think they had the Adidas stripes on them. Mm. I think looked real clean. They had pink bikes. Yeah, that was a good looking kit. Yeah. War story. That one day where you just go, oh, you know, this bloody day on the bike typically comes from a Giro stage. They like to produce good war stories. Could be from a classic. Could be from one of those gravel days. Could be an unbound. Could be could be a Cape Epic day. It's produced a couple of beauties, yeah. actually. Tell me, Boz, that one day. It would probably have to come from Tour... I can't remember if it was Tour de Swiss or Tour of Romandie. We had one day when it was like, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have started the race. It was you know two, like oh it's two degrees and snowing like you know it's like you go over the pass it's snow you go down the valley it's rain and it was just so cold and at one point i went back it was like maybe like 15k to go i went back to the car to grab my you know gloves because i just couldn't feel my hands anymore and my hands were so cold that i couldn't get my hands into my gloves so i actually wound up peeing on my hand to try to just get some sense of feeling or did you stop and wait yeah and just I like, did. and it was like it was close to the finish, and it was just it was so did you, miserably. Did you do cold. anything? Could you? No, you couldn't even feel it. No, and eventually I got my hands into my glove, but it just. Were you dropped then? Oh yeah, and I, they still finished the race. But remember Karyanka? Mm. We had him, and he he stopped at the same time as me and rolled into the finish like thirty minutes later. He just stood on the side of the road and just pouted and just said he wasn't good. I mean, eventually he rolled across the line, <laughs> but I think those days of just the being cold like I, they're just miserable mm. i mean it wasn't and you know you think the descents and like you just you can't this is like before disc brakes you know carbon rims like you hit the brakes and you actually go faster for a bit yeah. <laughs> um i mean it's maybe not the most war story but just like those that day like stands out as just like what are we doing like why why are we racing i'm losing today? days of my life right now. yeah years of my yeah. life yeah. it takes yeah it takes hours to warm up I reckon let's slot in some Cape Epic now before we go to About You. A-line or B-line? I would comfortably take the B-line, but if you are leading me, and I see you can make it clearly, I would follow you down the A-line. It's weird that, isn't it? If someone is in front of you, like I've been doing this too, when there's like a little double jump, I roll them like nine times out of ten. But if I'm following someone and they're doing it, I instinctly just launch over the jump with them. I'm like, oh, I guess that's what you do. Well, I also know that if I take the B line, I'm going to have to catch up. That's going to be a big effort. <laughs> and I guess I think it's, you boost some confidence knowing that you can kind of see what they did. Mm. You can see the drop. You can see, you know, I guess we had one in the prologue and I could see like, oh, he could just kind of roll down. He didn't have to jump it. Yeah. And so it was a cool, I, I mean, you're a better mountain biker than I am, but I saw that, oh, I could easily just follow him down that line. Big air or roll over? I do like clearing jumps. And that is one mm. thing about Cape Epic that we have not had. I wish that one day they would just throw in a little jump path, like path. Even in coming to the finish, just like some cool little double jumps. We had some on the prologue. With a gap in there, like a treacherous gap. Just you have to make gap. the gap. We had one on the top. We actually hit it twice. We had it on, was it stage four? And then we hit it again in the time trial, like in the last couple K. Oh, yeah. And that was fun. Just not a big jump. Just like yeah. a fun little jump where you know you can like, you have to clear it or else you're going to like tank your back wheel, but you just get a nice, mm. you know, you get a little bit of air time. Long finger or short finger gloves? 
I was a short fingered mountain biker until Cape Epic, and then my our uh, digger and doughboy kid arrived, and I got some long fingered gloves, so I've been wearing those since. You can. I don't. I, I really don't. I do see the purpose of it, and although I actually I take that back, I don't see the purpose of it because people were saying, "Oh, you use it to protect your hands," but the back side of the glove is so thin that even you know the couple times we've hit some of these spiky trees, you feel it straight through the glove, anyways. Mm-hmm. And your fingers are bent down. And because we're doing long races here, you're always reaching into your pocket trying to grab something. And I can never really feel what I'm grabbing. You know, I might have two different bars and they're, you know, slightly different shapes. So I could, you just lose some of that dexterity. So I've been trying to fit into the mold of the mountain biker and wear long finger gloves. But I think I will probably go back to short finger gloves when I get home. Aid station stop or not? Quick aid station stop. Do you like it? I mean, I like making sure I have what I need to get going, but I don't like noodling around too long Mm -hmm. you know it's like these days are long enough anyways i'm not going to stop and usually when we've been stopping i stay on my bike you know again dropper post down mountain bike tip when you come into a stop put your dropper post down fill up bottles they have some little gummy candies grab some of those and then usually straight out best thing about cape epic i mean there's been a lot of great things i guess at this point coming up on two days to go it's just been like the challenge of how hard it actually has been Mm. I think it's been harder than either of us thought it would be. And just to realize that we do still, we do still have a little bit of give in us. You know, we, we, like we said, we haven't been stopping at the, I mean, if we were more cooked, we would be stopping at the aid stations for 10 minutes, laying on the ground, you know, doing a little backstretch. Even five minutes. Yeah. But we've been, I guess maybe it's the realization that we still, we still enjoy riding fast and that's Mm. fun. It's still fun to be part of, you know, an event and like chasing people or being chased. Um, Challenging yourself, isn't it? Yeah. I think I still, I've really enjoyed that here. And I guess being in a position where we can confidently ride hard, but still within ourselves. I haven't felt ever really up to this point overextended where I've like felt like I've put myself in a lot of danger. Is that Cape Epic or is that just a race in general? I think it's, I think it's off like mixed surface races in general Mm. for me at this point. I think you're allowed to like give yourself a bit more of a gap because drafting is beneficial, but not as important as Mm. it is on the road. And usually I have the strength to close a gap. So I'm, Usually. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I can afford to like let a little gap go and kind of ride at my speed or, you know, see what's coming and not be, you know, just fixated on the wheel in front of me. Mm. Worst thing about Cape Epic? Oh, probably how far the bathrooms, waiting in line for the bathrooms. Mm. We do have an RV. We have not used the toilet on the RV just because we've kind of been struggling on water, filling up our RV with water. But that's been probably the thing I've liked the least is just waiting in line the toilets and there's this i don't even know what you call this mentality where everyone is so anxious outside but then once they're in they're like i'm just gonna take my sweet time i'm gonna pull my phone out it's like why are you in like you're just on the outside waiting but once you're in it's like i'm in i'm gonna lock this door i'm gonna (laughs) gonna take my time i'm gonna check my emails so that's been that's been probably the biggest struggle would you come back again i well i did message a friend so we could come do the mixed mixed pairs already you're already thinking about it you lied Although to me. I, I really don't know if I, I mean, I feel like there's some events that you do and one time is enough. I've enjoyed my experience enough to be like, you know what? Like box checked, you know, and we are still two days to go. Mm. So this could all change, but I would definitely come back to South Africa. I don't know if I'd come back and do Cape Epic. All right. Let's talk about you. Last topic. You ready? Yeah. Headphones or no headphones when you're out riding? If I'm by myself, headphones. What's playing? Podcasts? Pod- podcasts. Or, oh, there you go. Always podcasts. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I guess once in a while I'll listen to music. Um, you know, I guess both of us have contributed to the cycling podcast. I feel like those like cycling type podcasts, I already kind of know what's going on enough that I don't have to fully listen to it. You know, there's other podcasts I listen to that you have to like 
listen. Yeah, like maybe it's more something I'll listen to while I'm driving or flying. So I do really love when like a grand tour is going on. I feel like my training load probably goes up because I'm mm-hmm. like, cool, I have a podcast to listen to. I'm going to go for a ride. So yeah, usually a podcast. Do you read books or watch Netflix when you're uh, at a hotel? Well, we're not so much at hotels these days, but you know, think back to when you were racing. It sounds kind of funny, but I think I was kind of in... I don't ever really remember watching Netflix while I was racing. I don't know what I did what, in the What rooms. did you do? I did. I guess I did read some books. I actually probably read. I usually, I when I was racing, I used to actually read before going to sleep. Mm. You know, I'd get through like maybe half a chapter and then fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. um, but usually, you know, especially racing in France or to Campanile, the internet doesn't work fast enough to have Netflix. I don't actually know if I had a Netflix account. Mm. I never was really that into YouTube. So I actually don't know what I was doing <laughs> during that time. There's, there's things about my career that I just kind of like, at this point in my life, I'm like, I had so much time. And you think you're busy. And I think back, like, what did I do when I got back from training at noon? Nothing. What did I do until, you know, 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. when I cooked dinner? I was like, I just feel like I had so much free time that just disappeared. just went somewhere, but I didn't really accomplish anything. BWS, beer, wine, or spirits? What's your poison of choice? Ooh, wine. if I'm at home, it's going to be spirits. Spirits? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I've been really on a kick of... Uh, some ranch water. Do you know what ranch water is? No. Usually with mezcal. So, you know, mezcal is like, it's like tequila, mm-hmm. but it doesn't come, it doesn't have to come from the tequila region. Right. And it's smoky. Um, so they smoke the agave plant. It's a hard alcohol. And then I'll put in some lime juice and some soda water. Wow. Yeah. Don't often get a spirit choice yeah. in this question. That's my, that's like Friday afternoon, work's done, weekend, ranch water. What, you have a couple of them? Yeah. And, and once in a while I'll make a, a mezcal mule, which would be, like mezcal. a Moscow mule? Yeah, so it'd be mezcal and then a, a ginger beer and some lime juice. <sighs> Sounds pretty nice, actually. It is good. CCC, cake, chocolate, or cheese? Oh, probably chocolate. If there was an ice cream in there, I'd go with ice cream. Yeah, I do, but actually. That's, I do that, need that's my... Chocolate ice cream. Yeah, that's my that's my go-to. Someone actually got around this question. They said a cheese, chocolate cheesecake. Oh, double up. Or triple well, up. All, all of them, yeah. If it's the right cake, although I'm not a big fan, you know, I think like kids birthday cakes and they're dry and mm. uh, it has the right frosting maybe but i think even cake is better with ice cream favorite tr- cross training exercise uh recently been backcountry skiing mm. which i've actually seen a lot of world tour riders who all the folks up in andorra have got really into it as well yeah woodsy and yeah so. um which is great for me because i can get up to the mountain near us in the winter time on snow by five in the morning skin up to the top do a couple laps and i'm back home by Back on by nine. Nice. I would love to do that. Let's go. I would like to do it with you, and I'd also be like to be able to do that straight from my house. Yeah, probably not going to happen. But it's not going to happen, no. <laughs> Lastly, mate, why are you still riding a bike? Why? What's that best thing about riding a bike for you? You clearly loved racing. You loved riding in the beginning, and now you're still riding a bike when you're retired. You're here doing Cape Epic, riding a bike. What do you love about riding a bike? I think what I've come to realize is that riding a bike, one, makes me, I think, a better person. It gets out a lot of my anxious energy and the other thing well i guess a couple of things i think another thing it really strips away the bullshit you know we're here with you know we're racing against you know amateurs masters you know all sorts of people and it doesn't really matter who you are outside of you know the mm. person you are on the bike you know you can ride with a doctor a lawyer someone who's you know super successful and you can just be a 20 year old punk and you're on a bike and everyone's just at the same level mm. you know all this all life is like stripped away when you're on a bike especially if you were like a group ride and I enjoy that. I also enjoy the appreciation of like the simple things after a ride. You know, we had pasta last night. The first thing I do, I called my wife and we got back into our RV. I'm like, Gretchen, we got to start cooking more pasta. It is so good. It was just straight up plain pasta with pesto from a can. Yeah. And it's like, how 
many people wake up every day and take a shower, drink water, mm. you know, and they don't appreciate it. And like, how good did that shower feel after today's ride? Wow. And it was, a, I was in the head on the shower that I was in was horrible, <laughs> but it felt so good. Like you appreciate the simple things in life, like a glass of cold water after a hot ride. It's just like the best thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, mate. Well, thanks yeah. for being on Talk of Loft. Absolutely. Well, there we go, guys. What did you think? Cape Epic, Talking Luft with Boz. He is great to have on the mic. And we had a ball over there in South Africa doing that race together in the camper. If you haven't heard that episode, that was just a couple of weeks ago. Go back and listen to it. It's a cracker. It's a long one. Sit back and enjoy the ride with us as we try and get through eight days of mountain biking there over at the Tour de France of mountain biking, Cape Epic. Some other exciting news on the horizon. If you'd heard the podcast last week, I spoke about, yes, the Life in the Peloton beer. It's happening. Bridge Road Brewers and Life in the Peloton have come together to do a collaboration and make the very first inaugural Life in the Peloton beer. You know how much I love beer. So yes, we finally got it. It is going to be released in two weeks' time. So make sure you get all over that. You're wondering what it is. It's a regional Australian ale. So since coming back to Australia, I've been getting into the local beers. One beer I love, one of the iconic beers of Australia is Cooper's Pale Ale. It's an original Australian ale, and that's the vibe we've gone for here. We've used all local sort of ingredients from all around Bridge Road, yet we've got a little hint of Belgian in it. We've got some Belgian yeast in there. It's a really, really nice drop. As you can imagine, why would I have a horrible drop? Well, all beer's pretty good anyway, but this one is especially good. I've had a lot of fun developing this with Bridge Road Brewers. So guys, keep your eyes ready for that one. That is coming out very, very soon. And there is only going to be a limited amount. I wish I could have made mountains of it, but at least we got one going. Big thanks goes out to the crew at Life in the Peloton, Will Jones, who puts the episodes together, Meg behind the scenes, of course, Rafa as well, who are our proud partners this year, and you guys for listening. Next week is a cracking episode. We've got the legend himself, Jai Hindley. So sit back and wait for that episode, guys. That'll be with you in a week's time. Until then, guys, cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.